You are listening to College Success Habits with Jesse Mogul, episode 36. Welcome to the show. Oh, this show's the best. The best show. Best show. Best show ever. Welcome to the College Success Habits podcast. Do you want to triumph through school and have a little fun along the way? Learn habits to help you attain better productivity and hacks to help you slide through classes at any age. Here's your host, college circuit speaker, Jesse Mogul. Hello, everybody. This is Jesse Mogul here at College Success Habits. Thank you so much for honoring me with your time. Once again, I know even 30 minutes can be (laughs) so tough to come by in a very, very busy and hectic schedule. Semester is either just started or is right around the corner for you. Last week, we discussed preparing for the semester. Now we're going to discuss getting acclimated to the new semester. So if you're listening to these linearly, then you're following right along. If you're not, then all of these, of course, are standalone episodes. Uh, It's going to often help that you have at least got some familiarity with what I talk about. But certainly getting acclimated to the new semester is going to be something that we a bit covered at the beginning of the show when I first launched it. Last year, so when we talk about morning rituals, evening rituals, uh, daytime rituals, and stuff down later on in this episode, you'll be able to go back and listen to some of those very first ones that I did, and that will help you understand what a ritual is and how to best organize it for yourself. And of course, Google is always at your fingertips. So let's get into getting acclimated to your new semester, because it's very important that you start thinking about your long-term success this semester as early as possible. If you are checking me out again linearly, then you prepared for the semester, you already know what books you'll need, you've gotten them, you figured out the best way to buy them, the software you'll need, knowing what resources on campus to best utilize, depending on where you're at. Maybe you need libraries, the success center, TAs, advisors. Uh, Hopefully you've figured out if you're going to need a job, you went and got one as soon as possible because those positions will fill rapidly on and off campus. Um, Ground rules for quiet hours at home and, of course, envisioning any kind of future issues that might come down, and that's what we're going to really hammer into this episode. Because as you're getting acclimated to your new semester, it is imperative that you are envisioning things that are going to come up later and having a plan in place. Even if that plan doesn't follow perfectly according to how you envisioned it, at least there was a plan in place. And so uh, a lot of this is going to be about how are you laying down your foundation at the beginning. And one of the first things I have in my show notes here is that you are introducing yourself to all your professors. Even if it's just for 15 seconds, you want to introduce yourself to your professor right off, right out the gate, first day. Prefer, preferably, you maybe even went in and said hello, and just so they can put a face to a name or just so they can recognize a face. Down the line, you might need that professor's help with something, and I can assure you them being able to put a face to the name and having seen you multiple times is going to tell them that you are committed to success in their class, and they're going to be more apt to help you. If you don't do this and then four months in, all of a sudden you need something and you walk into this professor's office and he has never seen you, and it, it could be, you know, if it's a lecture class, 300 people, 
of course, it's going to be very difficult to know all the faces and names in that class. A smaller class, 10, 15, 20, 30 people, yes. They're definitely going to know the face to a certain extent, but they may not know anything about your background and what you're going through. Non-traditional students, I cannot stress this enough. If you are driving an hour to get to class and you have children and a full-time job and you have a lot of other things going on, these professors might be used to dealing with 18 to 22-year-olds who are coming in with, you know, all these different kind of, you know, teenager, early 20-something problems. They may not be used to dealing with uh, a student who has the kind of um, problems, no, not problems, kind of um predetermined scheduling conflicts, if you will, right? Like you're going to have a whole different scenario of issues that you bring to the table than someone who lives in a dorm 10 minutes away from the class. You're going to have a whole set of obligations that they may not be aware of, that they may not be used to. But if you go and you talk to them and you let them know that this is the world you live in and that you're going to be you know, leaving for class early enough to show up on time, but that you can't always promise that your kid won't get sick or won't have an ear infection on the day of the, of the test, they're going to be uh, more understanding and willing to help you um, as these things start to come up. So this is really big. And again, for you traditional students, I mean, you're going to have scheduling conflicts. There's going to be things that come up. If you have never introduced yourself to the teacher and you come up the day before a test and tell them that you all of a sudden can't make that test and can you reschedule it, and they don't realize that you play on an athletic team or that you're also involved in all these different organizations or that you have a full-time job because you're paying your way through school and that you can't always dictate your schedule, they need to know these things because then they're going to be more willing to help and they're going to think it's less of an excuse or some BS when you come to them with this you know, 13th hour problem and they've never even heard your name before. So go, introduce yourself to your professors, even if it's just for 15 seconds and do this after each class. Go up, just say thank you, say something, ask a, ask a question. You will always have a question. There will always be something. Just go stand around somebody else asking a question. All of a sudden, you become one of those students who's always standing there after class around everybody else asking questions. Everybody else will get up and do it. So do it. Go. Build a relationship with that professor. Down the line, it'll come in extremely handy when it comes... What about when you need a recommendation letter? When you need one of those things, you're going to want to have a relationship with a professor who knows, trusts, and likes you, who's dealt with you, especially if it's within your particular college at your university. For me, journalism, I'll never forget Mr. Foley, great, great human, uh, super helpful. I, you know, He knew me because I had to take his journalism 101 class like three times because I thought uh, that I could just do all my papers the night before. <clears throat> That's not the way it works. So go, build those relationships. They will pay off dividends later, I assure you. Uh, meet people in class. This is, all, this is next on my notes. Uh, maybe you know people from other places, uh, from your job, from other classes, from your dorm, from the Greek system, whatever it might be. But, you know, go, introduce yourself. These are potential study group mates down the line. And so you're going to want to get some phone numbers in case you do miss class and you need some some notes. You know, find other people who take really good notes. Don't find don't 
go find that frat bro like I was who took crap notes. Um, you want to find the right person to, 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 to get notes from, to help. And, you know, be that person who takes good notes as well so that whenever somebody calls you up, uh, you're both exchanging good notes. If you're exchanging really good notes on your end, but the person who you're borrowing them from has bad notes, you chose unwisely. And that's the next thing I put in here is pick your class buddies, your classmates carefully. Watch out for the drunks. Watch out for the people always coming in late. Who, or watch out for the people who rarely show. Because if they rarely show when you're there, there's a good chance they won't be showing up when you're not there. So find people who have similar study habits, who take similar notes, um, who have the same kind of work ethic, because you're going to want those people in your study group. You're not going to want people in your study group who cancel at the last second, half-ass notes. Um, those aren't going to be people who are going to be beneficial for you to be around. They might be great drinking buddies, but they're not going to be great study buddies. And you want to make sure you know the difference between a really great drinking buddy and a really great study buddy. And if you are friends with some drink buddies and you really want to get a better grade, then find a really good study buddy who's okay being in a group full of drink buddies because they might actually want more of that social um, acclimation. And you can invite them out once in a while and show them a different side of college than they're experiencing. So it can be beneficial um, just be prepared for them to get aggravated with you if you're a drinker and they're a studier. There's a huge conflict there, and just know that going in. So pick your study classmate buddies very carefully. I cannot stress that enough. Um, another way to get acclimated to the new semester, figure out, and so a lot of this is scheduling stuff, of course. Uh, what is the best time for you to go to bed? What is the best time for you to get up? Know what your schedule looks like. You know, get uh, put it into Google Calendar, put it on a on an analog calendar. You know, put it on a gigantic piece of paper. Start mapping out. You know, do you have a class at eight and a class at eleven and a class at three? You know, where would be a good time to situate lunch in? Where would be a good time to study for a couple hours? If you get out of one class and immediately get on the bus just to go home, so you can play video games to get back on the bus two hours later to make it to your next class, that was some great study time you just threw down the drain. Instead of waiting to go home to play video games, you went and played in the middle of the afternoon and now you're home and maybe the roommates show up and they throw you a beer and before you know it, you're skipping class, right? So know when's the best time to stay on campus and study versus going home back you know, to your dorm or whatever it might be. Just be mindful of that because there's a lot to be said for a study environment versus a fun environment. So actually trying to study in your dorm where your roommate could come home and want to cook up some food while you're trying to study, it, that could be distracting. So know what time you need to go to bed, know what time you need to get up, and how is that going to affect your schedule? If one day you don't have to be to class till 11 a.m. and another day it's 7 a.m., what time you go to bed on one day is going to be drastically different than the next day. And you do want to keep a very similar sleep schedule because your circadian rhythm will get used to waking up at certain times. And so if you only if you always go to bed at midnight, but one day a week you need to be up and ready to go at 6 a.m., that's going to be a tough day for you. So make sure you know uh, when you should be going to bed and, and try aiming for as similar as possible. Um, I get up most days between 5 and 6 a.m., and therefore most days I'm turning off tech and rolling over and going to bed between 9.30 and 10.30. And now I've been doing this for years. It's just second nature that when 9.30, 10.30 roll around, um, 
I'm, my brain's already shutting down and ready for sleep. And so on those nights that I have to be prepared to stay up later for work or obligations outside of work or whatever they might be, um, then I might need to take a bit of a nap in the middle of the day or just be prepared to eat correctly so that I've got the right amount of energy um, deeper into the evening. So know these things so that you can get acclimated to your semester better. You know, find out where are there openings that are best to use for studying rather than going back to the dorm or the apartment. I cannot stress that enough. Going back to your dorm or apartment is opening you up for distractions. And if you're a distraction-prone person, then you probably just want to go out into the common area of the dorm and study. Now, if going out there means everyone you know is going to want to come up and talk to you, same to, same can be said for your fraternity or sorority house. If walking in there means people want to be social, and next thing you know, you only had two hours of study, but you were social for 45 minutes, and you've lost some study time, you're going to have to make up somewhere else. It may have just been better off for you to have gone to a library, find somewhere in the quad, in, in some building. Find an area where that's quiet, where people won't bother you. I used to love walking around random buildings that I didn't even have classes in because a lot of them would have these tiny little study nooks. Uh, going to the medical or the law library is a great place to find these quiet little study nooks where people will not bother you, where you will not run into a lot of people you know, if any at all. So go into some of these buildings and walk around and, and look for these quiet little areas that you could dip into for a quick little study session or a quick little nap where you know you're not going to be bothered because you're going to really want to make sure that your schedule is moving efficiently and is flowing well to maximize your success. Um, definitely, we talked about this in the last episode about knowing what kind of job that you might have. What are going to be the best days for you to work? What are going to be the best day, night, morning? Figure that stuff out so that when you get hired, you can let them know what your availability is so you're not springing something on them. And they're most, they're, they're, everyone's going to know, all jobs are going to know that spring break, everybody's going to want to go out of town. There's going to be certain people who are just not going to be able to get off because they've taken a job off campus. If you have a job on campus, a lot of those buildings close up for spring break and you won't have to worry about getting off. So you're going to want to know this. That's going to help determine your on or off campus job is their ability to work with your schedule and be accommodating since you're a student. Uh, one of the things I love figuring out, especially because I live in Los Angeles, is the best path, the best route to get wherever I'm going so that I can always make sure that it's got the least amount of traffic and I can make it there on time. Back in the day, Google Maps didn't exist. It does now. If you're driving somewhere and you're showing up late, there's no excuse for that. I can drop something into Google Maps four hours before I'm supposed to go there and I can watch the traffic either increase or decrease. So if you're going to if you're planning on driving to school, you can you know put the parking garage, put the place you're you're arriving to into Google Maps and now you can see exactly how long it'll take you and make sure that you leave with a 15 minute or so whatever works best for you window so that you can park and walk to class, leave a little room in there if you think you might run into somebody that you know and you're going to want to be social real quick. But figuring out your best path to class, work, etc. is going to be hugely beneficial. You know, you, you'll, it'll allow you to know the best time to leave. What's the latest that you can leave and still make it on time? That's very important. 
knowing the latest that you can get up in the morning to make the last bus so that you can make it to class on time. Because then at least you know if you're getting up early or getting late, right? If it can't be measured, it can't be managed. You need to know what's the latest you can leave. What's the latest bus? There used to be a bus that picked people up right outside the landings in Gainesville. And I always knew the last one I could, she always showed up right around 9.13. I remember that. I remember that for some reason. And so I would know that if I wasn't walking out my door by like 9.08, that I would have to run to catch the bus. Whereas if I just walked out at 9.08, no problem. Smooth set. I could walk right up. Bus would show up. So I knew this. And so as I'm preparing in the morning, I knew the latest I could leave my apartment to make sure I showed up to class on time. You cannot... You cannot consistently be using traffic, the bus, your roommates, your your dog, your cat, whatever, as a reason for why you are consistently showing up late. That shows laziness. That shows a lack of respect for somebody else's schedule. That's a, that, that is a narcissistic behavior that says, my time is more valuable than yours. That is not acceptable. And get, if you're in that habit, get out of it now. Right? There's people in LA who are always using traffic as an excuse for why they're showing up late. Well, I didn't know traffic. You've got Google Maps. Name the, put, the, put the name of the place you're going, and you'll know exactly how long it'll take. Last night, me and some friends went roller skating for a friend's birthday. A couple people showed up late, and they tried to say, oh, you know, I didn't know that traffic was going to be so bad. Bullshit. Bull. I call you bull on that. Because you could have put the name of the roller skating rink, into Google Maps. You'd have known exactly how long it was going to take you. An hour before you were going to go, you could have started watching, you know, the the drive time. And, of course, if an accident shows up and, you know, that makes it would have been a 45-minute drive, an hour and a half, and you were getting ready to leave an hour before the arrival time, then it, so you'd given yourself that 15-minute window. Yes, okay, that is a reason. See, I believe that excuses are reasons that could have been avoided. And if you're going to constantly have these excuses that could have been avoided, right? A reason, it's like, oh, man, I'm so sorry I'm late. I didn't anticipate the car accident on the 5. Okay. I left my house an hour before the meeting. It was only supposed to take me 30 minutes to get there. I would have shown up 30 minutes early. There was an accident. I didn't see that coming. That's a reason. Oh, my goodness. I didn't know traffic was so bad on the 5 but you didn't drop it into Google Maps. You left 30 minutes before the meeting was supposed to start and you knew it was going to take 30 minutes just to get there if everything worked out perfectly and you could just pull right up to the restaurant and park and get walk right walk right in. You didn't have to worry about valets or paying for parking or walking from the parking garage. That's an excuse. Know the difference. Excuses are reasons that could have been avoided. And that is just... Because sometimes people are like, don't give me an excuse. I'm like, it's not an excuse. It's a reason. This is the reason why it didn't happen. If, if, if it could have been avoided, I would have avoided it. It's, I don't bring excuses to the table. But there are times where there are reasons. And so n- know that. And make sure that you're putting where you're trying to go into your Google Maps. It even works with walking now. So you don't even have to wonder how long it's going to take you to walk. Right? This thing works figure it out. Um, closing up the show notes here about getting acclimated to the to the semester. 
Um, have you figured out what your morning ritual is going to be, your evening ritual, your daytime ritual? And these are just, you know, habits that you have when you first wake up, habits that you have preparing for bed, brushing teeth, washing face. Do you know how long it takes you to complete your evening ritual, your morning ritual, any daytime rituals? Perhaps you, you got a pre-work ritual before you go in to work at the restaurant. Do you know how long it takes you to shower and get dressed and, you know, make sure you have your apron and everything in the car? And do you have whatever your pre-work ritual is? Do you know how long it's going to take? So that if you're studying and it's 20 minutes before you're supposed to be at work, but your pre-work ritual only takes five minutes and you're only five minutes away from work, you realize you've actually got 10 minutes. If you started getting ready now, you'd show up 10 minutes early, which is great because early is on time, on time is late, and late is unacceptable. So know all these little rituals, know all these little patterns that you have to complete in order to begin something. You know, to begin your day, you've got a ritual. It could be going to the bathroom, making coffee, whatever that is. Know how long it takes. Evening ritual, daytime ritual, pre-class rituals. What is that? You know, does is it's not just you know making sure your book bag's got everything that's supposed to be in there. You know, making sure that you've already unplugged your laptop and you have the power cable if you need it. You know, are you getting to class in enough time to take out your notebook and get your pens ready so that you're not a disturbance to the rest of the class? Do you have a book bag packing ritual? Because if you don't, you're the person who consistently shows up without their phone, without their earbuds, without their pen, without the right notebook. You have to have a book bag packing ritual so that when you get to class, you're not forgetting things. Same with the car. Do you have every, if you if you're a, a non-traditional student or you're going to a commuter college and you have to drive a distance to get there, if you forget something, you can't just run back to your dorm or your house and get it. It has to be in your car. If you're going to be on campus from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., there's a lot of different things that you could need. Layers in case it gets hot or cold. Uh, Extra bottles of water. Perhaps a cooler with some food in it so you're not spending money on lunch every day. These rituals and figuring out how long they take and making sure that you do them the same way each time, turning them into a habituated behavior will speak volumes for the efficiency that you have throughout the day and the amount of success that you can go to bed knowing you had that day because these little hiccups weren't happening. I often say, you know, if somebody cuts me off as I'm driving, I don't flip them off and yell, I hope you have a horrible day or I hope you get in a car accident. Nope, I don't say anything like that. My, my favorite thing to wish upon them is minor inconveniences throughout the day. Because those minor inconveniences are the ones that can just annoy the hell out of you. That's forgetting your notebook at home. That's for, that's forgetting your your phone charger um, in the kitchen. That's any amount. That's, that's getting stopped at every single yellow light from here till your destination. Those minor inconveniences, those are the things that drive me batty. So by having a morning, evening, daytime, pre-work, pre-class, book bag, and car packing ritual, I can alleviate as many of those little inconveniences as possible. And whenever another inconvenience shows itself, now I know exactly what ritual to pop it into. And I just, it's like, it's habit stacking, right? If you've already got a habit in place of packing your car and here comes winter and now you want to have a pair of winter boots, an extra pair of socks in case snow or water get inside your shoes, an extra pair of shoes, uh, a couple extra sweaters and layers. You've already got a car packing ritual in place from the summer months. Now you just habit stack. You just slide these new these new needs, these new um, wants and desires right into the your already predetermined habit stack and it's like you don't even miss a beat. 
build habits around what you will do frequently. Just, I cannot stress that enough. Build habits around what you will do frequently. Do not forget things that you will need on campus because that if that's just, it's unacceptable when you know that if you just put a little thought into it, you could have, you could have, you know, stopped that from becoming an issue. You could have circumvented that. That's the word I was looking for. You could have circumvented that problem had you just put some thought into what it was you, you were going to need that day. If there's a chance that you might study science on a day you're only preparing for English and that's all that's in your book bag and now you get to campus and you've got an extra hour and you really wish you could be studying for science but you don't have that so now you're messing around on your phone or you're wandering around campus trying to kill that hour that's a lost hour of efficiency and you're gonna have to make that up somewhere where you might prefer eating resting watching tv socializing with friends don't forget things you're going to need on campus Earplugs, protein bars, jacket, sweater, water bottle, whatever that might be to you, think about that stuff. Have something in place. Be prepared. Right? You don't want to have your backpack so full that you're carrying around like an 80-pound rucksack to go on campus. So know what inside your backpack you actually need um, so that you're not just carrying around 50 pounds of stuff because you might need it. Like Pump the brakes a little bit. Really know what you're going to need. Start to notice what you don't pull out of your backpack very often. Get it out of there so it's not weighing you down. You might think that that extra thing, a chapstick, isn't that big of a deal until you realize you've got about 27 things like that in your backpack, and that's adding an extra four pounds to an already overstuffed you know, backpack that you're that's killing your shoulders. So know these things. All right. So that's getting acclimated to your semester. You've got other things. You Again, you can Google this stuff. I just want to open your mind and, and to the thought of thinking about this, right? I'm just opening your mind to the potential for what your semester will hold and getting this stuff figured out. Introduce yourself to your professors. You're going to want to have a relationship with them down the line. You're, you're going to need to ask them for something and you're going to want them to know who you are. Meet the right kind of people in class that can facilitate you getting the best notes when you miss or studying whenever that's what's time for. So again, picking those people correctly is super important. Know the best time to go to bed, get up, know what your daily schedule is going to be like so that you can know when to best study, uh, when you can go home and rest, uh, figuring out your work schedule and making sure that, that that's cemented. I talked about this a couple episodes ago. Being highly scheduled and having a lot of things figured out doesn't take away spontaneity. It actually allows for it. It takes away, oh yeah, the, the guilt Guilt-free spontaneity occurs when you have everything scheduled out and when you decide you want to be spontaneous and go over to a friend's house and chill out or you know go up to the bar and have a drink to celebrate that you know what was supposed to be scheduled in that slot and then where you can move it further in your week so that you're not missing out on that study time or whatever it was in favor of going out with your friends, but you, you know that you can easily make it up a different day and now you can be guilt-free in your spontaneity. And that's going to come from knowing where the openings to study are, when you should best be working, when you should be off. And you figure a lot of that stuff out by figuring out your morning, evening, daytime, pre-work, pre-class, book bag, car packing rituals. Enough cannot be said about these rituals. Build habits around what you will do frequently and it will maximize your efficiency 
throughout the day, and that will increase your sense of self. It will increase your successful activities, and then you'll be able to firmly, firmly implant this identity of a successful student, of a successful friend, of a successful whatever it is, into yourself. It's all about your identity and tying your behaviors into that. Get your behaviors locked down. It will drive positive feelings and they will anchor into your identity. Okay, as always, inclusivity over exclusivity. Be kind to one another. The power of positive energy, release and flow. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. 